0: Welcome to this week's edition of Everything Fast Pitch. Coach Don and I are here in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio again, getting ready to record episode number 168. we got a really good show lined up for you today. In our warm-up topic, we're going to have our City of the Week, Player of the Week, Equipment Tip of the Week, have another interesting Did You Know, another interesting listener question, and of course, Paige's Power Play. In our leadoff segment, we're going to do part one of our interview with Joey Myers from the Hitting Performance Lab. And we're going to have an interesting discussion with him, very knowledgeable guy with a lot, uh, a lot to share about uh, the art and science of hitting and really more the science of hitting than a lot of people uh, are aware of, and so we're excited about that. In our cleanup topic, we're going to talk about the uh, lessons learned from the college season that's just been con- concluded, so many things that are exciting about the future now that uh, softball is back and, and we had a great uh, year. And then in our coaching tip of the week, we're going to talk about ways for coaches to continue to grow and to make sure that they're helping their teams and themselves become the best versions of themselves that they possibly can. So before that, Don, let's talk about our sponsors. First off, the Anderson Bat Company. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to have Anderson Bat Company as our presenting sponsor. Anderson Bat Company is using the latest and greatest bat technology to corner the market in the fast pitch world. They have the minus 9 rocket tech, the minus 10 carbon, and the minus 11 carbon light. Anderson Bat Company is using this technology to put a high-performing bat in the hands of hitters that really know the difference between a good bat and a great bat. We're also working with Anderson to provide a discount for all of our listeners. Go to the Anderson Bat Company website and order your bats. Use the EFP20 discount, which is for everything fast pitch, and you'll get a 20% discount. It's a great way for you to save a little bit of money on a great bat and also help support everything fast pitch at the same time. And let's talk about patreon.com slash pitch. If you're in a position where you can be a patron, please come on board and help support us financially. It's either 5 10 or $20 a month. There's different levels of reward that go along with those levels of support. Coach Don and I really do appreciate our patrons. We've got a hardcore group of family of patrons that are supporting us and doing a great job for us. If we can add more people to the family, that would be great uh, because uh, there's things that go along with trying to produce this podcast that just have expenses attached to them. You know, I promise you, and I tell this uh, story often that we are certainly not getting rich. We're, we're not making money. Yeah, we're, we're right. certainly not uh, not cashing in doing the podcast, but we love doing it. And if the patrons can continue to support us, we can keep going and keep everything free. Don, our uh, warm up topic this week, warm up segment this week. Let's talk first off about our city of the week is Meridian, Idaho. Meridian, Idaho. That's
1: awesome. They're probably just starting to get some good weather up there.
0: Yeah, I know. One of the things that uh, you know we always have to remind ourselves of being spoiled rotten down here in our part of the country. That, For sure. Uh, you know that we we pretty much get to play softball year round. There's a couple of cold stretches, but what we think of as cold stretches in Georgia it's still doable. People in yep. Idaho and, and North Dakota and Wisconsin and Minnesota and places like that would just laugh at us, like you know how pitiful it is that we think a cold day here is is a balmy day that they would look forward to up there. They would get um, it done. Yep. yep. But we, we certainly do appreciate the folks at Meridian listening, continuing to help us grow everything fast pitch. And Whenever we see a, a jump in the numbers, it tells us that people are out there spreading the word. And if you can do that for us, it would be greatly appreciated. The more people that listen, the better off we are. I'm confident that once people listen, that they'll come back because anybody who loves this game, I think, can take something away from what we're talking about, what we're doing. I mean, I think that we've got a little bit of a unique twist on the softball world we're not spending too much time talking about news and and highlights and things like that it's a lot more about nuts and bolts and in the trenches stuff that goes on coach don and i love sharing what we know and so if you can get more people to listen that would be greatly appreciated so don our player of the week is uh, a player that's breaking down barriers it's not someone that either one of us know except for what we've seen of her on tv but i want to talk a little bit about odyssey alexander the great pitcher amazing pitcher at james madison university and how she is breaking down barriers and, and changing the way people think. You know, Her story is unique. She was not uh, highly recruited coming out of the high school uh, ranks. She did not play super high-level travel ball, but here she is on the biggest stage, really setting an example getting of what's possible. It, getting after it with the best teams in the country, Tori. Right. Well, yeah. and, and I think you know, you know her story is a little bit different. She's a little bit of a different example for people to look at. I kind of think back uh, to a few years ago when we had the STIR of excitement in the in the Little League baseball World Series when we had a, a girl out there kicking butt and taking names and now you know here in the college world series uh, for us to see Odyssey doing the same thing uh, at the highest possible level is just a very exciting thing to see and to know the impact and the doors that she is opening for future players is just a really cool thing so I wanted us to talk about her and really uh, congratulate her Recognize on a great career, that, yeah. um, and to give our, to give all our listeners something to think about because there are players like her all around this game and and uh, all around the world of fast pitch softball that don't necessarily come from the traditional you know route to make it to the highest level of the game in college. you know, you know so many kids are playing on these high level travel teams, you know, that 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 seems to be the only way to get there. And I think it's inspiring to know that uh, if you work really hard, if you you do some some good things, that there's still an opportunity for you to excel. I was going to say, Tori,
1: I think that's exciting because there's only one way to find out how good any of these kids can be, and that's to get at it, work at it. And again, obviously, the sky's the limit.
0: Right. And uh, our listener question is going to come back and talk about Odyssey a little bit too. So I just wanted to make sure that we mentioned her as our player of the week. So congratulations, Odyssey Alexander. You're the fast pitch prep player of the week. Equipment tip of the week, Don, the square cuts training discs. I've figured out another way to use them. One of the players I was working with the other day was having a really difficult time picturing the different contact points. And, you know, one of the old tricks that we would always use was you know to put a series of balls out there on uh, kind of like on a diagonal line you know to show if you're hitting an inside pitch you should hit it here you're hitting a pitch down the middle the only thing I've uh, always been hesitant with that is that I think there's a little bit of risk with that softball sitting on the ground if a player spikes a ball right down that you know there's a chance that they could hit it and get a rebound or, or sure. something like that so I started using some of the discs to give a visual point of reference and because they are flat but they are the right diameter, it allowed her to have a better picture in her mind as we were working on trying to understand what the strike zone really is, setting them up so that you know, she would have a way to reference where she thought the ball was. And so I set that little diagonal line across the hitting zone, you know, all the way into the opposite batter's box so that we could start to talk about pitches that she thought were in the other batter's box. We're really like right on the corner.
1: And that showed that I like your idea there, Tori, because that would show how much of the ball is actually right going across that corner of the plate inside or outside. Yeah.
0: And, and it was a really good visual reference. So it was just one other wave. It's not going to roll away on you. Right. And it's going to yeah. stay there the whole time. Yeah. And because it's a lower profile, you know, I'm not as worried about somebody stepping on it. I'm not worried about something you know unfortunate happening that could lead to an injury. We've had people now come back to us with uh, dozens of different ways that they're using the discs besides hitting. You know, we created it as a hitting tool, but to hear people using it for throwing, fielding, bunting, yeah. pitching, all kinds of different things has been exciting to us. Um, if you're interested in the Square Cuts training discs, make sure you go to the fastpitchprep.com website. Uh, you can order them there. Just click on the link, and it'll take you through the process. They're $49.95 a dozen, and I think it's a must have uh, for all our coaches and players. It's a training tool that is going to give you instant feedback. You don't need to have a coach right there with you. And it's going to do a lot of things to help you become a more consistent player.
1: No, I think it's exciting, Tori, if we do things a little bit differently than other people do. And this is a product that's going to allow you to do something a little different than what everybody
0: else is already doing, yeah, right? I, I love them. I think it's, it's the best idea we've had yet. So Don Anderson Bats, have talked about them now quite a bit. They are our presenting sponsor, but we talk about them because we believe in them. We talk about yeah. them because we know that they're a great product at a great price. I think that they are doing some things in the bat market right now that really need to happen. We need to have a high-performance bat that's not always broken. We need to have a high-performance bat that doesn't cost $500, $600.
1: So we've had a lot of really good feedback from many of the students that have purchased both the 9-drop, 10-drop, and actually all of them, because we've got some younger students using the 11s, the Carbon Light. Everybody's uh, giving rave reviews on both uh, the performance, I would call it the forgiveness of the sweet spot, right. the barrel. Yeah. Um, you know, it's very durable. We're not having any issues with breaking yet, and yeah. uh, it's exciting.
0: And one, and the one thing that uh, I had this discussion with one of the girls that uh, has uh, started using the Minus 9, and she said that at first she was having a hard time because it sounded so different. Absolutely. yeah. And the thing that I explained to her is part of the reason that that other bat sounds like it's exploding when you breaking hit it is, is because it's yeah. really exploding when you hit it. That's why you hit it 10 or 12 times and you got to send it back because, right. you know, there's p- pieces inside of it that are seriously, legitimately breaking every time you hit it. So once she got used to the fact that it didn't sound the same and she started noticing that the ball was going further, Right. the light bulb came on and now she's completely convinced and and as always happens, she's you know, becoming an advocate for us to get the word out to other people. So when somebody asks her, "Well, what's that bat?" Well, where'd you get that bat? She's like, "Well, man, I used to swing that other thing, but now that I've got this, I can't. I can't believe I was dumb enough to use it." So some of our students that were they used to be the only ones out there with them, and now
1: they're coming back saying, "Hey, I'm starting to see them at the ballpark a little bit." And yeah. Uh, again, we attribute that to you know their performance and the way kids are you know, working with them and enjoying them.
0: Right. Well, when you see somebody hit a ball 240, 250, 260 feet, it's always going to, you know, you take a your look. interest. You're going to notice. As you said, Don, some of it is certainly the kids themselves, that they are really good hitters, but I think that it's also good for them to have a, a tool in their a hands that they, have, that they yeah. have faith in and they have confidence in. So, Don, did you know in Division One the consecutive stolen basis streak is 74 straight? No way. Yeah, it was Jennifer Fenton, uh, Jennifer Fenton Maloney. She's uh Atlanta-area girl. We know her very well. She's one uh, of our kids here yeah, for a little while, was, yeah. Was, was one of Don's legends uh, when she was a young player. Uh, now she's an established and, and really good coach and, and mentor to young players. But uh, when Jennifer was at the University of Alabama from March sixteenth, two 2010 to April sixth, two 2012, She stole 74 straight bases. That is crazy. That's a crazy number. And and the thing about that team is... That's without uh, being put out. Yeah, 74 straight times, not getting thrown out once. And not getting called for leaving early one time. That's also strange. Right, which I think they were a little bit more lenient back in the day. Well, there, here's the
1: thing I'm thinking, Tori, is they didn't have cameras sitting right there that they could right. show that obviously she was or wasn't yeah. early. Yeah,
0: yeah. but, uh, but uh, Jennifer was an amazing player at Alabama was, uh, and just a great all-around example for our, our players, She's a so. neat, so, fun lady. Yeah, yeah. She, she did a great job then. She's doing a great job now. But So did you know Jennifer Fenton stole 74 straight bases at the University of Alabama from March 16, 2010, to April 6, 2012? So Don, our listener question kind of circles back to our player of the week. This comes to us from Nadia. And Nadia says, watching Odyssey Alexander on the College World Series was very motivating for me as a player trying to get recruited. She didn't play big-time travel ball, but she's still playing on the biggest stage. Can that strategy work for me too? That's going to be interesting, right? Yeah. Well, and I think it's, uh, you know, for Nadia, I think it's a great example of what can happen. I think it is a little bit outside the norm of what does happen. But I think you know it's just like any other example. You know, there's reasons why it worked out for Odyssey the way that it did. You know, some of it was good fortune, some of it was good timing, and some of it was just the fact that she's an amazing player.
1: Phenomenal, yeah. But again, it was one of those unknowns, right? Right. And you never know until you get
0: at it and work at it. Right. And so the thing I would tell all players is that one of the big fallacies now is that if you don't play on a big travel team, if you don't play on the right travel team, if you don't have the right logo on your jersey that somehow you cannot get recruited. And that is absolutely false. Every player who really wants to play and really wants to get recruited has the opportunity to do so. Certain players are going to have to work a little bit harder. Certain kids are going to have to do a little bit more. But that doesn't mean that there's less opportunities or no opportunities. You know, we always tease about, you know, you could play for the any team in the country. And if you work hard at getting yourself recruited, if you send out the videos, if you send out the clips, if you work hard at uh, creating relationships with college coaches, you can open those doors just as much as any other player. And one of the things that is so aggravating to me now is that you know we see some of these national brand teams that have expanded and expanded to the point where they've got you know hundreds and hundreds of teams all across the country wearing you know Batbusters or Firecrackers or ECB or wh- whatever organization it is that. Once upon a time, saying you could play for one of those teams meant a lot. But now because there's so many of those teams out there that I think it means a lot less. To Nadia's point, I don't think you need to play high level travel ball singularly to get recruited. You know, I think playing travel ball, playing high school, ball, all that stuff is, yeah. is important. But if, if you're sending video clips to a college coach that show that you can play, whether it's in a high school game, travel ball game, or you know, whatever it is. They're going to see the potential they're gonna see the skills, and if you continue to do the right things they're gonna come out and they're gonna find a way to come and watch you play.
1: I was going to say, Tori in this digital age, it's really amazing how far that stretch can can go right if you are good they're gonna they're gonna notice they're gonna they're gonna get out there and they're gonna take a look, otherwise you know in the past it was a lot more difficult to uh
0: get that many eyes on your right. your skills so yeah, you so you got to do the work though. Yeah, Odyssey is an amazing story, you know, but I think she is an example of what is possible if you do all the right things, if you work really hard, if you develop your skills and you do what you can to get your face and name in front of people, it's going to swing some doors open. And I agree. I think it's inspiring. It was inspiring to watch her play. She's an amazing player and amazing advocate that's, for the game. That's a lot of fun. So Don, that's going to take us into this week's edition of Paige's Power Play.
2: Hey guys, it's Paige here and I just wanted to share a little bit about this like this funny reel that I put on Instagram or you know it's like a TikTok same thing and the title was when my dad is yelling at me for making a mistake after the game but I already know and beat myself up over it and it was like this sad clown face and this silly music. Anyway, I'm like liking to make fun of the things that are our struggles as athletes and softball players. So I know you know what it feels like. (laughs) Like it's all fun and jokes when it's not happening, but when you're in the car feeling like total crap, it totally sucks. It creates a wedge between you and your dad or mom. You're all mad and frustrated and upset, crying, like all the things. And there is a solution to this, okay? It's called boundaries and communicating them with your parent. So boundaries are set to create space for you to both work through your thoughts, learn, and then have even more productive conversation when both of you guys are in a better headspace to chat about the game. You have, you absolutely have to set these boundaries, meaning you have to share the boundary with your parent. So it looks like this. And I wanted to take you through like a very specific example. If I was setting a boundary with my dad, because this is something I wish I would have done. So it sounds like, dad, I appreciate you so much and all the time that you put into me playing softball. After the games, I'm like I'm like a crazy person and I really need to work through some of the thoughts and emotions before we talk so I don't snap at you. Can you give me a few hours after the game and then we can chat? Um, do your po- this is like when you do that post uh, game reflection mindset work remember how what did i do well what didn't go well what did i learn and what is my focus moving forward Then you guys are both in a better mindset when you, when out and after you set this boundary, when you use this boundary. And if your dad or your mom forgets about the boundary, just remind them. This is a new habit for them too. just keep working at it, being consistent. And then this boundary will be really solid and it's going to protect your confidence. This is something that we work on in the competent athlete program. And it's been really helpful um, for that dad athlete or mom athlete relationship. So remember, this is a new habit. So you'll have to be consistent Consistent, even if your mom or dad forgets about it, or your athlete forgets about the boundary. So, um, make sure to try this out, set that boundary. That's your challenge. Remind your parents that you love them no matter what. And, you, or if you're the parent, remind your athlete you love them no matter what happens out there. You guys are going to be just great. So, A little bit about, uh, I shared that that we do this in the Confident Athlete program. Um, That's coming up. Um, It'll be opening up for enrollment at the end of July. So if you are interested in that, make sure you get on the wait list. I've got lots of bonuses going out, and it's going to be super fun. So um, get on there, and I'll talk to you soon.
0: All right, folks, one more time, sign up. you got to sign up, pagetons.com, T-O-N-Z. If your kids want to have more fun playing this game, you want them to be happier and successful people, the Confident Athlete Program is an, is an amazing option, amazing opportunity for her to become better, to be more successful, and to be happier. So check it out, page T-O-N-Z.com. So Don, that's going to take us to our leadoff topic. Our leadoff topic is sponsored by Elite Sporting Goods. Elite Sporting Goods is located at 905 Grayson Highway in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Phone number there is 678-377-0270. You can also contact them at elitesportsorders at yahoo.com. Anything you need, bats, balls, equipment, uniforms, contact the folks at Elite, and they're going to hook you up. They can ship it anywhere in the country. So here's part one of our interview with Joey Myers from the Hitting Performance Lab. Well, Coach Don and I are very excited today to welcome in a special guest. We have Joey Myers with us today. Joey is involved with the Hitting Performance Lab. He's uh, doing amazing things with hitting and the game of uh, softball, the game of baseball. Really, I think uh, one of the things that struck me, Joey, was your uh, introduction, your explanation, where you talk about having to admit that you are a geek when it comes to the science of all this <laughs> stuff that goes on. That definitely piqued my interest, but we're really excited to have you here and, uh, and really looking forward to sharing your story and sharing uh, as much as we can of, uh, of what you've learned with our listeners.
3: Thanks, Coach. Yeah, I, a nerd, a geek, yeah, however you want to say it. I went from jock to, to nerd, I think, back in the 90s when I was playing in high school ball. It wasn't as cool to be nerds, and I think now it really is. So
0: I appreciate you guys having me on. We're excited about it. So give, give us a quick little uh, background, uh, I guess, and how you got uh, involved in what you're doing and, and and maybe some of the motivation that pushed you uh, towards wanting to know more about the science of how all this stuff works.
3: So I started you know, doing the whole journey from Little League all the way through, ended up playing at Fresno State in, from 2000 to 2003. So I played for Coach Bob Bennett over there for three years, my freshman through my junior year, and he is, for those that don't know, was elected into the baseball or inducted into the the Baseball Hall of Fame, NCAA Division I Baseball Hall of Fame, I think in 2013. It was around that time. And then I played for Coach Batesel, who's there now, and that was the, he was the coach when they won in 2008, the College World Series. So he was my last year coach, that was his first year there at Fresno State. So after that, I really, the things that I really liked were fitness and baseball. And I started to delve into the, the deep rabbit hole, many rabbit holes of fitness. And I really got into the corrective fitness side of things. So I got many certifications, many alphabet soup type of certifications. One was yoga. I had a functional muscle screen. I had the corrective's exercise specialists from NASM. I had all these other things that or certifications to be able to take a client that would come in and say, hey, I'm having some knee issues or shoulder or back, lower back. And we'd be able to go in and do some troubleshooting and, and work them through some mobility, stability exercises. That really started the, the path and the journey. And it wasn't until my son, who is eight now, was born. I stumbled over the book and I'm sure on the fa- the family tree we are related, but Thomas Meyer's book, anatomy trains. Um, uh, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know of him, I, but I'm sure, like I said, on the family tree somewhere. Right. And that book really opened up when, when we talk rabbit holes and just fitness, this thing was a major rabbit hole that was most people or it had been camouflaged or covered up. Most people hadn't seen or stumbled on yet, especially at the time. And that book led me to another book by Dr. Serge Grakovetsky, who is a physicist and electrical engineer, and he's located in Canada, and his book, The Spinal Engine. Uh, and so that just that rabbit hole got really deep, got really wide. And that started me actually the journey there was me trying to fix my own body from 17 years of batting right handed and throwing right handed and all the imbalances that that, that created. And I just wanted to make some of the, the tensions that I had that were just chronic every day in my, my knee and lower back and things like that. I wanted to make that better. And so when I started reading, or I, I bought Thomas Meyers' book, Anatomy Trains, and Dr. Serge's book, The Spinal Engine. But then the light bulb went on at the time I was working with hitters that, hey, we could actually use this stuff not only to protect the body and make the body uh, heal, but we can also use it as a performance thing for hitting. So there, that was the big boom in my in my career that got me started and, and really got HittingPerformanceLab.com on the map to where we were doing swing experiments and things like that with uh, Zep at the time. You know, right. most people know Blast Motion and and, and Swing Tracker, the knob sensors where we can measure bat speed and we can measure the barrel attack angle and things like that. And so I could take these things I'm learning, these human movement principles that are validated by science, and I can test them against the old, old guard hitting ways, and we could actually put numbers to it. So that's really what started everything.
0: Well, it's, uh, it's really exciting to me. The one thing that you talked about with trying to solve the problems created from uh, years of, uh, of playing the game and imbalances in the body and stuff like that, one of the, the golden oldies that I've always thought of is if it doesn't feel right, if it doesn't, you know, if, if it feels dumb or if it looks dumb, it might just be dumb. I know that's probably not very science-based, but it's kind of common sense to me. It sounds like some of what you've uh, been able to apply is that uh, probably in, in our in our game that we've got a lot of people that are trying to do things that just don't make sense physically and trying to use that as strategy or technique to help players be successful hitters. And I'm, I'm assuming that, uh, that that's one of the, uh, things that you've come across quite often.
3: Exactly. And you, as you, as you coaches know, when you are working with a hitter, the, and it, it doesn't matter whether it's a boy or a girl. And that's what's great about these principles is that whether you're eight years old or you're 24 years old or you're male or female, you're hitting a softball, you're in a baseball, a slow pitch softball, fast pitch soft, doesn't matter. It all, it all works. And as you know, when you work with the hitter and start doing something, a different movement with them, they're going to say it's awkward. And a lot of times what I'll ask my hitter is I'll say, I know it's awkward. I know it feels weird, this new movement. But does it feel weird better, weird worse, or weird the same? And hopefully these new movements that we are, are trying to get our hitters to do is weird better, right? right? They feel like they got more pop when the ball hits the bat. Or they just feel better. For instance, I have hitters that come in for the first time and th- sometimes they're complaining and sometimes they're not of lower back pain. Sometimes they, they have the lower back pain. They didn't know it was caused by their swing. And we'll go in and clear as day, maybe they're arching their back because some of these, these hitting people out there teach a certain way that causes hitters to really arch their back. And it's not a, it's not a good thing. And eventually that hitters, their their lower back's gonna, they're gonna wear a hole in it. And the minute we start to do a couple things, we do what's called the hollow position. There's you can do an exercise, you can search on YouTube, the hollow hold gymnastics. Just put those keywords in and you'll find, find a a good video that's that's got a lot of ratings, good ratings and things like that, been viewed a lot. And that's the exercise that you can do to strengthen and stabilize the, the lower back the lower abdominal. Uh, but what we do in, in the hitting is, is called a hollow hold. So what we tell them is we tell the hitter to take their belt buckle and their belly button and to push those two points together okay. using their muscles. So it's going to feel like, and I tell them to imagine that they're, you know, imagine a dog who's tucking their tail between their legs. And, and that's what you're going to feel like you're doing. And another way to explain it is imagine your pelvis is a bowl of water and you don't want water spilling on your heels, which would put you into an anterior pelvic tilt. Um, You want more of a posterior pelvic tilt, so you want the water, well, you don't want the water spilling on your toes, sorry. You want the water spilling on your heels, which would be the posterior pelvic tilt. And anterior is like Donald Duck butt, where you're arching your back. Posterior is like a Pink Panther, where you're doing the opposite. And so this hollow hold, pinching the belly button and the belt buckle when my hitters that come in that are arching their backs, it's almost instantly if they had pain coming in, it's gone. Um, and and if I reference so like online lessons, I'll, I'll see that arching of the back and I will diagnose that will prescribe that drill, the hollow hold. And I'll say, you know, I wonder if Johnny or Sally has been experiencing lower back pain and, and almost 60, 70 percent of the time, dad will reply back saying, yeah, that's, that's crazy you say that, that, that Johnny and, you know, or Sally is experiencing or has been over the last season, especially towards the end of the season, lower back pain. So yeah, we want to make sure the movements are safe, number one. And we also want to make sure that the
0: new movements we're trying to get our hitters to train in are weird better. Right. What, what would you say is like a percentage of the hitters that you see um, that you get to deal with that have some sort of, Flaw similar to that that uh, is potentially damaging or or creating uh, pain or injury. Yeah, so there's there's two usually the neck, the head, and the neck and and the the lower back.
3: So just like what I just piggybacking on what I said about the hollow hold, that is that's the fix, that's the remedy. And one of the the signs you want to look for in that not only is the arching back, but the also the back leg action. And I and I see this a lot more in girls than I see in boys, but I'll see that back knee almost straighten out during the turn. So as they're turning, trying to get the barrel to the ball, they'll start to slowly extend that back leg so that knee gets straight. So what's happening is what we should see is we should see more, and this is what we see in professional hitters, uh, the studies and things like that. Professional hitters, there's a high activation of hamstring. So the hamstring, one of the, the things that it does is it bends the knee, and we should see if we see, if we're seeing a high activation in professional athletes of hamstring, then we should see that in our our younger hitters. So what's happening when that back leg straight straightening is that's the quad, the the thigh right. muscle is, it was responsible for extending the knee and straightening the leg. So that quads turning on where we should see the hamstring, the opposite, and we're seeing that glute, that back glute or butt cheek is is tightening up so what we're seeing is quad but are tightening up to protect that lower back so if i see that back leg start to straighten out right away i have a feeling that probably there's some lower back instability or some lower abdominal uh, uh stability issues that we dysfunction that we need to address and even if there isn't a Lower back arch, we will go in and, and go hollow hold and get them to strengthen the lower abdominal so that we can secure that area. And once we can secure the area and make it stable, then we can get the hitter to bend the knee. But if we don't secure that, that hitter is going to keep straightening that leg out because it's uh, the brain's way to protect that area of the body. So unless we can tell the brain, hey, we're, we're all, everything's good here, we're good, we're protected, we're, we're stable, everything's good then the body's not going to do what we want it to do i mentioned the neck so the head this was an interesting one that i learned from dr kelly starrett uh formerly he was mobility w-o-d, W-O-D mobilitywad.com and i think he's now the ready state you can search him on youtube he's got a r- lot of really good stuff he owned one of the first crossfits san francisco crossfit back in the i think the 90s uh, early to mid 90s or whatever it was and what was cool about his His facility is that he's a physical therapist. So he was bringing physical therapy, mobility, stability, training into CrossFit. And for those of you coaches out there that remember CrossFit in the beginning, CrossFit was like going 100 miles an hour with horrible wheels and and alignments, front end alignments and things. And it was really ruining people because they weren't addressing the mobility, stability issues. So I learned this about the head from Dr. Kelly Starrett. And what we want to, what we don't want to see with the head are, we say yes movements. So we don't want to see the chin going into the chest and we don't want to see the eyes going up into the sky, so the head tilting back. So we don't want any of those yes movements in the swing with the head and we don't want a rolling of the head. So for a righty, we don't want to see the right ear going into the right shoulder. And for a lefty, it's the opposite, the left ear going into the left shoulder during the turn. And interestingly, when I when I saw that, and we do a little test where i'll have the hitter stand in front of me and extend her arm out in front or or his arm uh extend their arm, splay the fingers out nice and wide and then what i'll tell them is to look straight ahead and i want them to resist me bending that arm, bending their arm at the elbow. So when they're looking straight ahead, usually they're pretty strong. It takes me a little bit of of strength to try and get them to bend the arm. But the minute i start doing a yes motion with them, so i'll just tell i'll just tell them if if this particular hitter Buries their chin in their chest when they swing. I tell this hitter, I tell them to take their chin, bury it in their chest, keep it into their chest, and try and resist me from bending their arm. And I can bend it really easy. I'm using less force to do it. And I do the same. I just usually will do that test for whatever it is that they're doing. So if they're rolling their head, I'll, I'll have them put, bury up for a righty. Put the righty your right shoulder uh, with the arm out, and then they have to resist me, and they usually can't resist me. We want to make sure. Oh, and and interestingly, in the major leagues, which we have a lot more video of, I'm, I'm sure girls do this too, or you know some girls do this. Is guys like Bryce Harper, lefty, would would take and roll his head lefty or left shoulder. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon used to take bury his chin into his chest. Uh, Nolan Arenado is the only guy now. Those guys have fixed it since then. Right. But the only guy now that I I see is Nolan Arenado that does this where he leaves his head almost behind the ball, like he's trying to see the ball hit the bat, and he somewhat buries his chin in his in his right shoulder. You don't see it too often in, in elite hitters, but you do see it here and there. But the guys that I've seen are, are correct in it. And then, unfortunately for some, they don't get to it in time. They end up actually wearing a hole in their neck. I This is my assumption with, or hypothesis with Prince Fielder uh, for, I think he was playing for the Texas Rangers at the time, and and he used to, as a lefty, he used to roll his head left ear left shoulder and he swung aggressively if you guys remember right. and you can imagine doing that thousands tens of thousands hundreds of thousands maybe millions of times swings doing that with your head and eventually you're going to wear a hole in it and he ended up getting spine fusion surgery in his in his cervicals
0: and he was never the same after that and had to step down well wow. so so basically the the moral to the story is the the idea of burying um, the biomechanics of it with the uh, I guess the shade tree mechanic techniques that a lot of us have been using or have been used over the years that that without having an, a little bit more knowledge or maybe a little bit more science behind it there's a potential for us to do to do real harm or allow players to do real harm to themselves just for a lack of it, a lack of understanding what that those repetitive movements really are doing to them
3: right and, and that's the thing is a lot of coaches out there don't know what what they're doing and and it's causing it's not their fault right but it's it's the critical thinking coach over this last year if it's taught us anything i've learned a lot about that and how important coaches being critical thinkers are and then having the courage to experiment and to try different things as long as it has some sort of a standard that's tethered to science it's okay to experiment and that's that's how i really started almost starting from scratch after Fresno State and starting on this journey, I mentioned going into Thomas Meyer's book Anatomy Trains and and all my alphabet soup of different certifications on on the body and how it worked. Because I I wasn't a I was a criminology major coming out of college, so this wasn't something that I I didn't study kinesiology. I wish I did. That would have been <laughs> it would have been m- probably much you more fun. But starts. I wasn't yeah. ready for it. I think at the time I wanted to get in the FBI. So all this I'm self-taught in. I just got really curious about different things and how the human body moved. I have good friends. I took martial arts for three years. It was mixed martial arts before it was mixed martial arts. And we did everything from Brazilian jiu-jitsu to kung fu to judo to karate. We did a lot of different things. And I have some friends. I got to maybe just a shade below brown belt, but I got a lot of friends that are black belts in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And it's funny when we get together and talk. And even with my sensei, I just met with him a couple, a couple weeks ago. I hadn't, I hadn't seen him, talked to him in a, in a while and talking with him. So it's interesting because in, in hitting, we're trying to improve performance in the body using these principles, these human, human movement principles. What they're trying to do is they're trying to break the body down. So a good friend of mine, Seo, Black Belt Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and when we have these talks, we talk about that same head principle where yes motion and rolling motion and where we're trying to stabilize the head and not allow it to do those motions. The only one we want is is the head's in that tracking position and the shoulders are moving underneath it. It's almost like a reverse no reverse no motion, right? The shoulder's doing the no motion instead of the head. Right. And what they're trying to do in Brazilian jiu-jitsu is they're trying to put that head in a rolled position or... They're trying to shove the shove the chin up the head up, so they put the body in a bad compromised position so that they they can manipulate the body um, or or shove the chin into the chest. Like they get behind the head and they pull it into the chest, and then they they go into the arm and they try and manipulate the body. So it's it's, it's interesting when you take one discipline like martial arts, Brazilian jiu jitsu, and what they're trying to do with the same principles as as we're doing almost the opposite. We're trying to preserve performance, they're trying to cut down on performance, decrease performance.
0: Well, the one thing uh, that I saw that uh, you you talk about quite often is swinging smarter by moving better. What are some, I guess, some key points that some of our listeners might be able to take away from that concept, things that they can do or or start to understand maybe a little bit more of um, to uh, start heading on the right path?
3: Yeah, great question. Yeah, swinging sparter, my moving better. The basic premise of that is if you move better, you perform better. And a lot of people out there have different associations with that. They think that maybe strength to strength and conditioning is the answer. And I actually, I'm a little bit more biased on the corrective side. So if a body is very restrictive and its movement is dysfunctional, you have to think about your strength and conditioning level. You're only going to hit a certain level. It's going to plateau at, say, I don't know, 60, 70 percent of what you're actually 100 percent capable of. And the reason for that is that the brain is always in protect mode. Always. The brain is all about survival. It, It could care less if if a girl can hit a 250, 300 foot shot or a guy can hit a 400 foot, 450 foot shot. It could care less about that. It wants to make sure that it preserves the integrity of, of body movement or that survival that you can walk, uh, that you can you can uh, eat food, you can drink water, you can breathe, you know, all those different things. So what we want to do, and this is where my training early on, my my fascination with uh, yoga and, and movement and bettering people's movement was once we start increasing increasing range of motion, then what happens is now our levers get longer. and when we we start getting a player moving better and, and we're just talk, we're talking about the weight room here their weights that they can move are going to go up their sleds that they're going to push their heavy sleds they're going to be able to push heavier and heavier sleds um it, it's really interesting when we just start to there one of my buddies uh, sean sherman he is his company is see i use his signal six which is like for coach team coaches and it's a series of exercises that are um, square one systems.com square the the number one systems.com is his website he is brilliant he does a lot of what's called mat muscular activation technique Uh, very simple i urge you all either to check him out or look it up look look for a professional in your area to go see because it's very simple movements it's all like his signal six program coach sean's is all on the ground and you're on your back for most of it, and you're putting your body in different positions, you're using isometric contraction of certain joints, and the, the actual Signal 6 program will take care of and clean up between the knees, everything between the knees and the armpit, basically. So I've had my hitters who, my local hitters, my online hitters have told me after doing Signal 6 like every day, and it's something super simple, at first you, you, know, you do the, the follow along on the video, And that might take you 12, 15 minutes, but the minute you can internalize those those exercises, those movements, it should only take you four to six minutes a day. It's super quick, and my hitters are telling me I had an 11 year old or 12 year old now, who told me that he was had some arm pain throwing, and I didn't know that. And he goes, yeah, it just went away after about four four sessions of the Signal Six in one week. uh, I had another hitter, one of my seniors, he's my hitting apprentice, he's my guy that if I have seven, eight, nine year olds that want to hit with me for the first time, I send them to him. I've been working with him since he was 11, 10 or 11. And he's, you know, senior in high school. Now he's graduating this year. And I uh, kept trying to get him to do it. Kept, uh, come on, come on, Nikki, come on, Nikki. Finally, he does it right before our session on a, on a Sunday. And he goes, Oh my gosh, I can't believe. Cause in between the, the exercises, you do two squats two just air squats, uh, body weight squats. And so you get to compare and contrast your, your movement before and after. And he goes, Oh my gosh, the squats. So you end up doing like three sets of squats and four sets of the exercises in that like four to six minutes when you got those exercises internalized. And he goes, my squats are so much better. They felt, Oh my gosh, like I could get lower, the whole thing. And then he ended up and he's pretty good. I mean, he's pretty clean mechanically. He's been in my system for such a long time. He, with those exercises got another two miles an hour ball exit speed increase in that session. So we're getting and for players that aren't optimized mechanically and are moving, you know, have a lot of dysfunction doing a signal six. I mean, they could increase from four to six miles an hour ball exit speed because it's teaching their body to move in the in the right direction. So that's swinging smarter by moving better. You you move better, you perform better. That's where a lot of that comes from. So it's not just the mechanics we're trying to change but if we can't change the body if we can't get the body out of dysfunction and moving more towards a, an effective movement uh more of take telling the brain hey buddy we got this whole thing we're good you don't have to worry about protection or survival or anything you you can just go and just let it loose then we start seeing hitters at 80% 90% and 100% of their potential
0: oh well, that's that's, that's a, pretty cool yeah an exciting concept because i i mean I, i've always believed that there's Uh, direct connection between um you know how 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 we use the body and and obviously how the performance is going to be be related to it but it's kind of interesting to hear that uh some of the stuff that that you are having players do i think a lot of people get turned off because i think it's going to be this like i've got to have an hour a day or two hours a day or three hours a day of time to do the things that need to be done but it's it's sounding like uh, with a little bit of understanding and a little bit of uh initial training, that uh, there, there's some big gains possible without investing, uh, making it a full-time job.
3: Yeah. And that's what I like. See, the strength conditioning side, when you're talking about an hour, hour and a half, that's that's where you put your time in. And this stuff, whether it's we're talking Signal 6 or we're, another one is rotexmotion.com, that's another great program, similar to MAT, the Muscular Activation Technique. That my my buddy Coach Sean uh, has just a little they they have an actual device that they use or a couple devices and that's um, that's Doctor Joe Lacaz and he's a you're never really a former you're always a Navy Seal but I always say former but that's you know they they say no we're never former we're always so he's a Navy Seal for thirty years uh, obviously out been out for a while was a chiropractor for a long time and understand spinal engine springy fascia all the stuff that i've i've dove into so his system too he he talked about that just three to five minutes if you do all their ankle mobility stuff with their floor models three to five minutes and you can increase and i know this because i did i did my own test he's got a body range of motion app that you can that measures your range of motion and i increased in three to five minutes a day ankle mobility between, I think it was like seven to 12 degrees of range of motion in both dorsiflexion and plantar flexion. And over the course of a week doing it, I think two times a day is what I was doing again, three, three to five minutes a day. And I think I had a solid 15 uh, degree increase in my range of motion in my ankles. I'm 40 going to be 41 this summer. And that's somebody who's older. And could you just imagine with these kids, because the kids are dealing not only with maybe some injuries that they've had in their past uh and i when I say kids i i mean all you know from eight years right. old to twenty five years old i mean they're all kids due to, to us you know right.
0: well you're a kid so, to me so just
3: so you young right <laughs> that make us feel old but the kids the younger ones they're dealing with maybe not injury per se but more of just movement they're they they don't have a lot of movement experience so teaching them to move correctly is really important it's not like you guys and myself where we got enough movement experience almost too much and we've got injuries in the way and we've got sedentary lifestyle maybe in the way and so we're trying to undo a lot of the damage that's been done for them they don't they're they're starting from a blank slate and we have to teach them the the correct way to do things so it's a big part of what we do and i i feel like it should be a big part of what every coach should do is is teaching that movement side of things and it doesn't take that long 3 to 5 minutes like i said the signal 6 program is four to six minutes once you've internalized all the exercises real quick. And uh, then so that those are good things to do before your hour workout in the weight room or your hour and a half workout in the weight room. And I guarantee you, you'll get way more out of those workouts, those hard workouts, as if you're doing these range of motion things, the M.A.T.s, the Rotex motion, uh, Sean Sherman's program, Signal Six,
1: you'll get a lot more out of it uh, out of the weight room than if you don't do it. Well I think injury prevention too is a huge thing and uh, uh, this is going to enhance performance but also too just injury prevention in general is a big deal. Right. And I don't know if you
3: coaches have, have seen this year and I don't know if it's just my hitters but I deal with I have about uh 35 to 40 hitters weekly. I don't get all I don't get all of them cuz some are gone in tournaments as you know. They they you know one weekend you got one's gone to tournament where another maybe's off or whatnot. But I have about 40, 35 to forty hitters locally that I work with hands-on. And then I have probably another fifteen to twenty online that send in videos, you know, one week. You know, one week I might have five or six, another week I might have
1: one. With all the flexibility things increases athletes' ability to not get injured as often. And right. There both you go. both enhancing the performance, but also too. Creating a better environment for fewer injuries and stuff like that. So I really like that whole idea.
3: Yeah, with the injuries this year, I've noticed there's been
0: more. And I don't know if you guys have noticed the same thing. And have you guys noticed? Yeah, no, with, with the kids I'm working with, I've had five or six different times where two or three kids are out for a while because... Different types of nagging injuries, not so much like they got hurt playing in a game, but you know, just I need a couple of weeks yeah, off. The, the back yeah. flared up. The the you know wrist is is killing me. The the ankles are killing me. Kinds of uh, kinds of things that that certainly sound more like wear and tear than uh, trauma.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm I'm hearing the same things. I'm hearing wrist stuff. I'm hearing finger stuff. I'm hearing. Uh, I had one guy, a couple guys with knees. Uh Not so much the lower back because we we addressed that pretty quick, but it oh rib stuff, and like you said it's not it's not always baseball related, although some of them some of my hitters have been baseball related, but I think just the combination twenty twenty and the uh, the shutdown that happened, and that was a lot of the athletes shut shutdown is in like not doing anything Good
1: activity yeah.
3: uh, some of them were smart and stayed in the weight room and and did different things like that. Uh, I, I still continue to work with my hitters throughout the the shutdown. So, uh, you know, even even then, I was I'm getting injuries, but I noticed this year was more than than years prior, and that is I think is one of the most important things. Like you said, is we have to keep our players healthy. And I don't want to go. I don't want to be have a mindset about a hitter that oh man, this hitter is awesome. They're great. They're gonna they're gonna do big things if they stay healthy. Right. I don't want to have to say that.
0: So I know we've got the hittingperformancelab.com. What are the other ways that people can get in touch with you, other places where they should be following you?
3: Yes, sir. So that's that's probably the best way. And then you can go on the socials. I'm on Facebook, just search Hitting Performance Lab. I'm on Twitter, I think, Hit Perform Lab. But if you just search it, Hitting Performance Lab, I'll come up. And Instagram, although we, we just post our... Images and things like that on there. We're not as active on on
0: Instagram. All right, Don. Let's move into the cleanup topic. Now, make sure you uh, check back next week for the second part of Joey's interview. Um, He's a really interesting guy. He's got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. We really enjoyed getting to know him, and uh, we're looking forward to working with him again in the future. Cleanup topic is let's uh, put a bow on the college season. Lessons learned, um, different things that we've seen. We've talked about it a little bit. You know, you and I don't spend a ton of time talking about the news of college softball. results and predictions and all that stuff partly because i've proven that i'm a pretty bad predictor (laughs) you just never know a couple of things that that uh, really made an impression on me number one is how exciting it was and how much people really appreciated getting the game back after losing it for that year because of uh corona and and the quarantines and shutdown
1: it's just amazing Tori, and it's refreshing to know that we're you know we've turned the corner and we're getting a little bit back to normal and this was just a really exciting week that you know that everybody did get to enjoy the game that we do love and um, i just think it's really refreshing
0: second thing i noticed is that we've got some exciting new programs and really not necessarily new programs but programs that are kind of emerging on the national scene that we didn't think about as being national powerhouses not too long ago. You know, the ACC has done an amazing job of growing softball now with uh, Clemson and yeah. Duke and Virginia Tech's been in a long established program, but they've had a resurgence. They're, you know, back to being a national championship contender. You know, we've talked about James Madison quite a bit already. They are, you know, the new kids on the block that are creating all kinds of excitement. possibilities and excitement. Yeah. You know, Liberty is another school that is just doing an amazing job. You know, Coach Dot has built that into a powerhouse program. It's game and, on, uh, yeah. And a lot of other programs like that. So I think for, for our listeners, and especially for uh, listeners who have players who are aspiring college players, keeping an open mind and looking at some of these other possibilities, you know, we don't know what the next school is going to be that's going to emerge from the, you know, that mid-major, smaller school, smaller conference uh, world and make their stamp, but it wasn't that long ago that nobody knew about James Madison. It wasn't that long ago that knew, nobody knew about Liberty, and now in the last five, six, seven years, five years ago, Duke and Clemson didn't even have programs. Right. So we want to make sure that we're keeping an open mind and, and really expanding the the search of what we're looking for and the kinds of schools that we're looking at, because I think there's a lot more schools like these out there that are about ready to take a- another move and, and another step forward. Yep. Awesome yeah because we're seeing it more and more now in some of the conferences that schools are adding, moving conferences trying to you know increase their footprint, increase their uh, impact, and I think we're going to see a lot more of it, so I think it's going to be a lot of fun
1: torian i'm going to throw this out to you too with all the the numbers of kids that are playing really competitive fast pitch across the country right now, there are that many more really talented players to you know be placed at these schools and that's really making an exciting opportunity for, you know, a lot more, I guess, challenging things or times for the big schools that are typically um, just head and shoulders ahead of everyone else. Now there's a better chance for some of these other schools to, to have those years. Yeah. So
0: well, and I think that uh, as the talent pool continues to get deeper to and deeper, you know, there's that many more outstanding players. And I yeah. think part of the message that we're hoping that our listeners are going to take away from it is that if some of you who have up and coming players that could make a difference that might make a difference at some of these other schools, maybe it's a, a better strategy to think about being the first great player at school X than just being another in a long line of players that have played at school y let's just compare notes you know who who both of them are amazing players. Rachel Garcia is a two time national player of the year and in the grand pantheon of all-time greats at UCLA she's one of about 12 names that people are going to always remember you 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 can't talk about UCLA and not talk about Lisa Lisa Fernandez Fernandez. and Stacey Newman and Natasha Watley and Megan Langenfeld and Kira Girl and all these players that have led them to national championships and Rachel Garcia is in that discussion she's one of those amazing players from you know, all-time players at, a, at at one of the greatest programs ever you know same thing at, at Arizona we talk about yep. players there Odyssey Alexander she's the one is the one right now at at JMU not and, to take away that, from everybody else right and that doesn't yeah. take anything away from you know because you know they had uh Megan Good a couple of years ago was the first great pitcher that they had she and she was good enough that it kept yep. Odyssey from playing for the first couple of years right. so that tells you how good she was sure but If somebody said, if you walked up to a hundred softball kids at a tournament this weekend, and you said, James Madison University, JMU, and 99 of them are going to go, well, Odyssey Alexander. Right. And Mm -hmm. the other one's going to go, what? That's the kind of impact that she's going to have. And so now, did she go there thinking, hey, I'm going to be the one? I don't know. But guess what? She is. For our players that are out there thinking about, you know, where am I going to go to school? Well, You could go to Power Five school, you know, national championship school, you know, when you talk about, you know, Oklahoma, Arizona, UCLA, these places that have won a bunch of national championships. Do you want to be the one or do you want to be one of? I like being the one too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and be the, or at least be the first. When we think about UCLA, we think about, you know, all their greats, you know, who's the first one I think of? Well, I always think of Lisa Fernandez first, because I still think she's the greatest, you know, complete player of all time. She's still number one when I think about UCLA and they've had plenty. So so think about that when you're when you're out there looking for the places that you want to make your mark. And the other thing that I really came away from thinking is we've got a lot of great players that are making their way into the college game and making their way to the top of the college game in different routes. You know, we talked about a little bit about do you need to play high level travel ball? Well, we're seeing some kids now more and more that are playing in the College World Series, that are playing at that national championship level that are coming from less traditional paths. You know, and again Odyssey is a good example, but there's other kids on different programs, uh, different teams that played travel ball but maybe not, you know, national brand travel ball. They played, you know, travel ball but they really were great high school players too. There's, you know, a lot of different ways that kids are getting there. And I think it's important that we understand that there's a lot of paths that can still get you to that same destination. And for for our listeners that, you know, maybe aren't in a position where they can you know, be on these high level, super powerhouse travel ball team, you know, maybe they're uh, in in an area where they're, you know, their options are a little bit limited, doesn't mean that you have less opportunity, you just have to take, you know, a different look at it, maybe do some things a little bit differently to get where you want to go. No, I think as long as the hard work and effort,
1: uh, commitment to all that is there, like you said, Tori, you can interchange
0: some of those other paths and then the last thing I've, I wanted us to talk about uh, is that uh, we are now in the, uh, the crazy season, the, the, the silly season of coaching changes, coaches getting fired, coaches getting hired, players transferring, players changing programs. There's going to be a whole lot of stuff going on here in, in the, this next few weeks and, and, and month. And a lot of it's going to have a major impact on what's happening. I don't see a whole lot of gigantic changes at the very top end of the food chain just yet. Um, but I think we're going to see you know a whole lot of uh, moving and and shaking and, and things happening, and it's always exciting and scary at the same time. Well, I think there's a lot of
1: expectations that are put on coaches, especially at the big schools, Tori, to yeah. to get to this
0: uh, to get to this point. So it'll be interesting to see. Right, and when I think one of the things that uh, because softball's moved up to such a prominent place in the yeah. TV world and the athletic departments are are valuing it so much more. You know, with that higher level of exposure comes a higher level of expectation. You know, totally and, and programs now are looking at softball as one more way to get national exposure and you know, a school like James Madison rang Huge. the Yeah. They, I mean that's jackpot for them. Yeah. You know, they're gonna have you know, softball players from all over the country dying to go to school there. They're going to have kids that want to go to school there just as regular students because something about what they saw on TV resonates with them. They know that they've got the recipe to get there. Right. So obviously the silly season is is a scary time because, you know, we have players that don't know quite for sure who their coach is going to be. We have uh, coaches who don't know quite for sure who's going to be on their roster yet. Right. And so a lot of stuff going on. But it was an amazing year, amazing college season. When we started back in February and we were talking about college softball, we were all just praying that, that good things were going to happen. It was a, a far from perfect. But you know, looking at that stacked stadium with you know thousands and thousands of people and at that upper deck packed with people for these College World Series games was the absolute bell ringer of, uh, of excitement. A great way to wrap up the college season and know for sure that things are, are going in the right direction. Awesome. Looking forward to a good summer here. All right, Don. So our coaching tip of the week. Coaches, we want to make sure that we're thinking about every way we possibly can to continue to become better coaches and to give our players better experiences. So here's what I'm going to tell you. Right. Look for ways to bring in outside resources. Look for ways to bring in guest coaches. Look for ways to bring in former players. Look for ways to bring in sports psychologists and mental game people look for uh, different tools and different resources that you have to expose your players to as much knowledge and as many ways of doing things as you possibly can. I think one of the traps that we all fall into is we have this idea that somehow our way is the right way or our way is the only way. That doesn't mean that you should scrap everything that you believe in or throw away all the stuff that you've learned, but I think the best coaches are the ones that are having enough confidence and, and taking advantage of the fact that there's a lot of other ways for them to learn and other people that they can learn from and exposing your team to as much of that as possible, I think is a really cool idea.
1: No, I've been hearing more and more about that, Tori, whether it's, uh you know, people coming in to talk about recruiting or conditioning and training and drills, all types of things. And I'm excited when people do uh, get a chance to hear something different right. and share. And, you know, I think that, everybody learns a little bit differently and to expose them to a a number of different people is pretty neat whether it's a camp clinic you know guest speaker like you said or a guest coach at a practice i think that stuff's going to be really uh, beneficial for some that might retain things or gain things a little bit differently and and from a different perspective yeah
0: and the one that i think is a a, is a resource that more coaches should definitely be taking advantage of is the former players that are out there in the world Um, there's a lot of college kids that would love to come and help at a practice, that would love to get a chance to, you know, work with some players to share what they know. You know, a lot of these kids are so passionate about the game. They love the game so much that uh, they can be great mentors and great uh, examples to the players that we're coaching about the things that are are possible. But also just, you know, I've been there, done that kind of attitude, I think can help players see what's possible for them. And You know, but I think one of the things we have to always be thinking about, you know, coaches in in some cases can be very, very insecure and think that if I bring somebody in and it looks like they know more than me or they know something I don't know, that somehow that undermines my abilities. I wrote a blog not too long ago uh, that uh, kind of talked about mistakes that coaches make. And one of the biggest mistakes that we make is we get caught up in thinking that it's a sign of weakness to admit that we don't know everything. Or it's a sign of weakness to admit that we made a mistake. And the reality of it is that it's a sign of strength if you can admit that, you know, I think I know quite a bit about this game, but, you know, it would really be good for me to listen to somebody else teach the first and third plays or teach bunt coverages or, you know, how to do a, a relay better or, you know, how to, you know, put your lineup together differently or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and, and I think it makes you a stronger coach and it makes you a more credible coach with your, with your team. When you're the one that's willing to accept the open. factor and, and be open to, yeah. to changes. So
1: No, I think that as we get older, Tori, too, you listen to people that are successful not only in softball, but all businesses and things like that. If you surround yourself with people that are even smarter than I am, then I've got a better chance to be successful within the group. So right. Yeah, I think that's exciting and, and good to share. Yeah, for and, sure. and,
0: and not being intimidated by the fact that no. you know, somebody always knows more than you. Somebody's always better than you at something. At somebody's something, always better yeah. looking than you. Somebody's always smarter than you. That's just life. I can be surround, mad. And, yeah. Surround
1: yourself with all those things and you've yeah, and uh, got a good chance for special things
0: I, to happen. I can be mad that you're smarter than me or I can learn something from you because I realize that you are. Sure. And one, one's a whole lot more logical. Which is going to make me better, yeah. Right. Um, so coaches, that's our coaching tip of the week. Bring in those outside uh, resources. Learn as much as you can, and allow those people to help your teams be as successful as possible. So, Don, that's going to wrap up 168. Please make sure that you reach out to us with player of the week nominations, suggestions, ideas, topics that you would like us to talk about. A lot of the stuff that we talk about is our suggestions and recommendations from listeners, and it's really helpful because it keeps Coach Don and I um, in the trenches and thinking about the stuff that's really going on out there instead of you know often some. Uh, dream world, thinking about uh, stuff that we think is important that might not be important to you. And so if you reach out to us at at gmail.com or gmail.com, we're going to be able to get a lot more done. And it's important to us that you do that. Uh, Make sure you check out our sponsors, Anderson Bat Company and Elite Sporting Goods. Make sure you check out the fastpitchprep.com website, over 600 blogs, the YouTube channel, tons and tons of information that you're going to find useful and enjoyable. And we certainly love that all that information is out there for you to have access to. So for Coach Don McKinley and our producer, Stan Lewis, this is Coach Tory in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast studio saying thanks for listening to 168. and We'll talk to you again next week.